Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. This is Monday, November the 2nd, 2020. Uh, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson and I'm joined here with uh, my fellow um, pastors, uh, Pastor Jeremiah Custer, Blake Flincham, and our senior pastor Jeff McCarthy. Monday Main Point is brought to you by Rosa Sharon Baptist Church and it is our opportunity for us to, uh, or it's the opportunity we take to look back at Sunday morning's message in a little bit more detail and we take a look at uh, historical perspectives, uh, spiritual insights, things that uh, we might not have had a chance to look at on Sunday morning and uh, I'm I'm excited about this one guys. This is 21 verses of pure judgment coming from from Obadiah. Uh, We're going to look at Obadiah today and uh, yesterday's message was um, from uh, Blake Flincham actually preached and did a good job Um, and that one was on um, pride. I'm trying to remember the actual title. I don't have the title. What was the title, Blake? A prophet Against Pride. Prophet Against Pride. Look at that alliteration. <laughs> um, prophet Against Pride. And uh, and that's a, that, that's a good way of putting it because if you sum up Obadiah, that's kind of where it's at. Obadiah... There's some. There's actually a little bit of debate, as I found out, fellas, that, of whether, what the date on this thing, but most scholars land in exilic... Uh, uh, like this is in the midst of the exile. This is actually probably happening um, as uh, Judah is falling to Babylon. Um, And this is after they were under siege. They're under siege by Babylon for 18 months. They're pretty much devastated and starved out. And Babylon, when, when Judah breaks, Babylon comes in. And we also know from this that Edom, their... They're kin, because as you mentioned, Edom comes from Esau. That's yes. So you yes. go all the way back to Genesis and look, and, and um, Edom is from the same lineage as as, uh, as Jacob is. They're both from, you know, they come from Abraham and Sarah, and then Isaac and Rebekah have those twins, Jacob, Esau, and they fight, um, and, are, and, and their, their feud goes generations out. Uh, to where the Edom, uh, uh, Esau's people and Jacob's people uh, are sort of mortal enemies, even though they're blood kin. They're, they're kin. Yeah. They're, they're enemies. And so at this time, uh, Edom, Judah falls, Edom comes in and um, basically is gloating over their fall, is looting uh, defenseless Judah, and is... Uh, Cutting off refugees and and selling them back to Babylon, um, you know, basically just not being a good brother. And Obadiah is pronouncing, in, at least in the first fourteen verses, pronounces judgment on Edom for their sins. Basically, says God is going to wipe them off the face of the planet. No, uh, nothing left. And then it's like there's a turn yeah. that happens at verse 15. Yeah. And suddenly it's not just talking about Edom, but it's talking about the judgment on all nations. And this is that sort of prophetic uh, term that we hear a lot in all these prophets, the day of the Lord is coming. So the day of the Lord is prophesied in there. It talks about uh, from 15 to 21, basically talks about this future judgment that's coming from Yahweh against all nations uh, and sort of and especially Edom. So Edom, I like the way one that one uh, the, the Bible project puts it. 
Edom ends up being sort of an Obadiah, Edom becomes an example or a model for all of humanity. Yes. Um, I really like what he said that, I, and I didn't know this, and I, I, full disclosure, I, I haven't taken Hebrew, um, and I know very little, but he made the connection between Edom and Adam. Um, Adam uh, being Adam or, or man, and Edom sounds much like that. And so yeah. you get this notion that Edom could stand in for humanity. And so there's this also this sort of future hope that's pronounced that we see in every one of, of these uh, minor prophets. It's always judgment, but there always seems to be a glimmer, sometimes brighter than others, of hope. And so that's Obadiah in a nutshell. I mean, I think, I think that, yeah. that, that, that kind of covers it. Uh, Blake, your message yesterday really focused mostly on pride. And I think that's good because I think that's where uh, I think it's where Obadiah camps out. Um, I'll let you speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so as I got to studying and I was trying to focus on like what was repeated and what kind of like what was the main idea. And a lot of times in these uh, minor prophets, you're going to see the main idea in the first uh, few verses. Mm -hmm. And when I got to looking at that, it was it was obvious that he is trying to attack Edom's pride. Mm -hmm. And like in verse uh, like in verse 3, it says, Your arrogant heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your home on the heights, who say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? Though you seem to soar like an eagle and make your nest among the stars, even from there I will bring you down. This is the Lord's declaration. Mm -hmm. So these people really thought a lot of themselves and God really didn't think a lot of them <laughs> and their actions but one thing that even though he is if this is a big big proclamation against pride we do have to appreciate that at least God loved them enough to at least expose their pride in hopes that they would repent mm. that's, a, that's a good point now I, I, um, when he's talking about the, the clefts of the rock I don't, I don't remember did you did you get to touch on that yesterday about yeah. like, like where they they, they the, my understanding is that this could be in reference to the city Salah, uh, which was uh, this fortress city up in the rocks. I think you had mentioned that, Jeff. Uh, was it you that you and I were talking about that? That there's a possibility that this could be like a rock fort, for, like an actual fort that they that the Edomites lived in. Is that right? Yeah, very similar to that. Uh, the caves and all, like the near the Dead Sea, the Essenes lived there. They were more peaceful people, but these people would be in the same kind of category where they were at on the other side of the Dead Sea, I believe. Yeah. Um, they had these fortresses up there in the mountains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Jerusalem, when the Romans uh, invaded, there was one less, one, one, one leftover place uh, that was a fortress on a mountain that the Jewish people had, and uh, it came tumbling down too, so... <clears throat> this 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 is um I mean this speaks to all of us really because when we get prideful we have to look out because we're gonna we're, there's gonna be a crash coming yeah and that I guess that was the other thing I was gonna mention because I think while we can certainly say okay well they're prideful and they're taking they're taking their uh, part of their pride comes from oh you can't bring us down we're up in this big rock city and we're in this fortress but there's also this sense that this is spiritual pride. Yeah. And, and and spiritual pride is far more deadly than even just pride in in one's like you know a boat or whatever, right? Um, yeah. So I, I see I see a, a 
like a connection, like you said, it really speaks to all of us about spiritual pride. Yeah, not to chase rabbits, uh, but uh, Blake had mentioned the Titanic example, which was awesome. But I also just watched the, all the Lord of the Rings movies. And there's uh, in movie Nerd two. Nerd alert, guys. <laughs> in movie two, of course, you, you probably know that the Lord of the Rings is, is a kind of uh, a play on words for, for Christianity. Right, it's an allegory for Christianity. Yeah. yeah. So in movie two, there's this huge mountain city called Helm's Deep. And that's mm-hmm. where all of kind of the humans run to last chance. Uh, and in, in the king and his pride, at one point in movie two, actually says, Helm's Deep has never been taken over. And at that point, you realize, well, Hel- Helm's Deep's about to fall down. Because <laughs> <laughs> the evil was coming upon it, and the evil was so great, and all, all that stuff. So their, their pride. It's just another picture of, of what's happening here in Obadiah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, I say nerd alert because I, I am a fellow nerd there. I like, <laughs> I like Lord of the Rings a lot as well. Uh, for those reasons, <clears throat> so moving past the, the that section on pride um, and sort of talking about them, they through verses five through nine, we get sort of the description of what is going to happen to Edom as a result of their pride, um, and basically, when you read through this, it sounds to me like. God was saying, I'm going to take every single thing that you've depended on or that you have cherished, it's going away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says, um, and, and, and it's going to, and you're going to know that this was me that did this, right? Yeah. Yeah. This was me that did this. Like the first thing he says is, if, if it was thieves that came to you or if marauders by night, they would only steal what they wanted. But I'm going to take all your stuff. You're, all, all the all the all the stuff that you have, the treasures you have, they're going to be gone. So all your wealth and possessions are gone. <clears throat> all your allies and friends are going to go go away. Um, your army. Your yeah your army. Well, and before your army, your wise men. Apparently, there was this notion. I read this today. Apparently, there was this notion that um, Edom was known for wisdom. That they they were actually known for wisdom. Mm. And then yeah, your army. And so. Wealth, allies, and not only, yeah, the allies too. So. Yeah, wealth, allies, wisdom, and uh, home security. Yeah, but it's like everything they trusted in. Like yes, their position. We're high. We're lifted up. We're nobody can reach us. Right. And now all of a sudden, you know, their wealth is taken away. Um, you know, their friends turn against them. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, there's no one left that's even wise anymore. And then their army basically is. So everything they depended on, their knowledge, their skill, their ability to, you know, they were high and lifted. If you remember, Esau's uh, and Jacob's children fought over the land and on the wells. And they kind of right. had a peace and they went one way and Jacob went the other way. So they basically, it was kind of like Lot. They took the most fertile area. Mm-hmm. So they're up high looking up, looking over their fields or cattle and all that. And so everything's taken away because they trusted in all that stuff. Like, yeah. Like, and, and they made these these agreements with all these enemies saying, hey, don't bother us. You know, we'll, we'll be on your side. And we'll If anybody runs, we'll get them and stuff like that. And they didn't realize that they're going to be swallowed up too. Right. So everything they trusted in, it's taken away. It's kind of like you know this in the beginning of this pandemic, 
It's like when they shut everything down, it's like everything that you trusted. If you trusted in your 401k or your wealth yes. or your job, your career, your health, yes. your friends, the ability to go see people and interact and all those things, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember sports, everybody was like devastated because sports was over. I mean, it's like, what are we going to do? Right. <laughs> so that's this is kind of what we're dealing with now. I mean, it's to a certain extent it's gone. Yeah, uh, not like these people suffered, yeah. but it could easily well be. Yeah, and I and and I, I, you went exactly where I was thinking too. When I look at this, I think of wealth, allies, wisdom, home security, and it sounds a lot like us. Yeah, it sounds a whole lot like America. And on this eve, on this election eve, because we're f- recording this on November second, uh, on this election eve, I can't I can't help but think about how many people out there are trusting in. The answers that will come out of this election to solve all the problems, to solve, to, so they're going to be people who on one side or the other, whoever, whoever wins or loses, there's going to be people who are going to be devastated, truly devastated and feel like their world has fallen apart because their candidate didn't win. Mm -hmm. And I just, man, that's sad. I just, I look at that and I think that's. That's Edom, right? That's kind of Edom-like behavior. That's 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 putting trust in something other than other than what you really should put your trust in. Um, thoughts on that? No, I think you're absolutely right. And um, I know I mentioned this yesterday, but it's uh, it's so easy to judge Edom and to kind of play like a Monday morning quarterback mm-hmm. <laughs> on Edom. But in all honesty, we struggle with the same things. Mm-hmm. And to go to piggyback off the thing with the election, and it's it all goes back to the root of pride. You know, we have pride in uh, one side, the pride's going to either be in Joe Biden or the other side's going to be the pride in Donald Trump. And if mm-hmm. whoever loses, whoever wins, you're really going to see the pride kind of explode on the wins, the winners and the losers. Yeah. And, and it's sad because uh, what Obadiah will continue to talk about is this kingdom of God. And yes, America is a very small kingdom, but as Christians, we're not... Our primary citizenship isn't in America, but it's of the kingdom of God. Right. I want to boast in nothing but Jesus Christ. Right. I want to be proud in any, uh, of anything. I want to be proud. I want to be proud of, of Jesus Christ. I um, I, I think if, as you as you progress down, um, when in these next verses, like ten through fourteen, yeah, we reasons, actually see why mm-hmm. why Edom is going to be judged. And there are basically three main things that you go through this. There's three main things that they did that God was um, bringing this harsh judgment. And this is harsh judgment on, on Edom. I want to wipe everything out. And why is he going to do that? Well, he's going to do it for three reasons. One, because they had unmitigated joy over watching their brother fall. Two, when he fell, they went in and looted and took uh, and participated with the invasion. Like, they weren't the ones who invaded. They just sort of went in and, and exploited their, the, the Judah, Judah's position. And three, maybe worse, they, they, they then um, cut off the fugitives, cut, cut off their, their fleeing, and uh, either killed them, or turn them over to their captors, to turn them over to Babylon, and, and you know, turn them into slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, participate, like you said, in slave trade in many ways. Um, 
I, I know I know what I thought about. There are some things that came to my mind this morning when I was reading over those. Those are three pretty big charges. But I want to go to something you just said a minute ago. We can look at Edom and go, oh, Edom, what are you thinking? Ah, that's dumb. Mm. You did dumb stuff. Dumb, dumb Edom, right? Mm. But uh, I think we're dangerously close to being Edom here. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And you see it. Uh, and like I said yesterday, you see this all the time, especially with uh, children and their siblings. They love nothing more sometimes than to see their brothers fall. Mm-hmm. And this is the exact same thing we see here with Esau loving to see his brother Jacob mm-hmm. fall. And and that even goes into adults sometimes. Sometimes that we love to see somebody we don't like get a promotion, even when we know that they should, or things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really applicable to us. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Jeremiah? Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of want to take it off of the national level, like uh, uh, Edom and Israel, like right. who's less prideful, right? Yeah. Bring it to the individual level. Yeah. And, and uh, Blake actually had a lot of great quotes about individual pride. Um, so one of my favorites is he said that the most prideful statement is, I'm not prideful. Um, so like in, in verse three, it starts out with, and, and I think Obadiah three is really key to this whole thing, but it starts with, and Blake will have to, to correct me, but I think the HCSB said something like, uh, your arrogant hearts have deceived you. Yeah. Um, ESV says the pride of your heart has deceived you. And so we see that our pride is actually deceiving us. Mm-hmm. And then Blake, another great quote said, you know, we always like to talk about how we should follow our hearts. And that's kind of a popular thing to say, right. especially on social media. Just say, hey, just follow your heart, you know. Uh, and then Blake said, don't, because your heart and because the pride of your heart deceives you. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we're deceived. And it was cool to see in our live stream. I won't name any names, but probably one of the most humble women I know uh, had quote or didn't quote, but had made a comment in our Facebook feed that said something like, Lord, please deliver me from my pride. Mm-hmm. And it really humbled me to sure to, to see this, this woman who I, I love and respect uh, just kind of get it, kind of catch on to that fact that we're so mm-hmm. prideful <clears throat> as individuals. Um, right. And then the last quote, sorry, I know I'm talking a little bit. No, no, you're good, you're good. You're good. The last quote that I like that Blake said on this specific issue was that pride is a spiritual pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. glo- global pandemic, spiritual pandemic, and that's just so good <clears throat> for where we're at right now. Um, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and we see that pride is way worse than even this this pandemic we're in, and it's a spiritual pandemic. You know, I've often I, I've often thought to myself, that when you get right down to it, um, even going all the way back to the garden, it's really pride that's at the root of all sin. Yeah, and you dig down on any sin at any level, and it's pride. We and and by pride, I don't mean like just being proud. There's nothing. I, I think we need to be. Um, you know, I'm big on definitions. So if we're talking about pride. It's not being proud. It's okay to be proud of of things that you've done. It's okay to be proud of your kids proud of you know your team or whatever you can be proud but pride what we're talking about here when we say pride is something a little bit different I think of pride as um, basically elevating myself above God right mm-hmm. like think I 
like I want to be my own God. I want to make the rules. I want to do what I want to do. And I think that's what like pride is. And so even idolatry to some level, it, it has pride in it, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to control things here. And so I'm going to worship something other than God. Yeah. Um, that, that sort of, that sort of idea. And, and, uh, and for us, yeah, um, like idolatry is we want to create our own God, a God that serves us. Right. And that's basically idolatry. Uh, we don't we don't sit make little statues or whatever and bow down and worship those, but we do that constantly, right? We we constantly create a God that we want to serve because that God in actual return is really serving us, right? Uh, giving us blessings or. Uh, helping us have good luck, or however you want to say it. Right. It's really we we want to serve the God that we've made in our mind or created. And let's let's be real honest with that, man. I, we can talk about that in terms of idolatry, but I think some people's worship of God can sometimes mm-hmm. come from a pride heart rather than a humble heart. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I mean when I say I, you, you get what I'm saying? I mean, like mm-hmm. I think some people. Basically worship God like he's a magic genie, right? I'm, I'm going to, I just, you know, I'm, I'm worshiping him for what I can get out well, of him. I mean, him. if you look like the prosperity gospel. Exactly. The yeah. more I have, then the more spiritual I must be and the bigger my God is compared yeah. to you, who if you just had the faith like I had, then you could have this. Yeah, that's so, right. you know, that kind of gives I, I want to kind of touch base a little bit because um, I was thinking about Obadiah and Edom and 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 uh, I was thinking about I think you preached a message about Jacob mm-hmm. when he came back and he sent his family. So you know Esau was prideful. He heard his mom and dad say, "Don't marry somebody from this area," and he goes, "Does it?" So this yeah. is where these people come from. But when Jacob comes back, Esau meets him, mm-hmm. and there's a point in time where you think, "Why did this story ever get to where it is now?" Because right. Esau was the one that was forgiving. Yeah. And. And said, no, I don't need any of this stuff. You don't have to buy me off. Everything's cool. I've got plenty. Yep. And so when you look at what happens at the end, all the reasons why God's judging them is they did the complete opposite. What Jacob thought Esau was going to do, they do. Which is really sad that it never should have got to this, this point because they were part of the family to begin with. And it made me think about lost people and how maybe people that used to be part of church and then generations later... Some of those become the big, hugest critics of churches because they're looking back on generations of not being, you know, part of God's family, mm-hmm. and they treat Christians with contempt or church people with contempt and all. And so, you know, it's it's easy for us to like judge lost people for acting like <laughs> lost people, but right. but they're lost people. But yeah. it, it never had to get to this point, which no. is really sad because. God makes a way for all of us. But you're right. What you see here is a lack of, of forgiveness. There, there, there's, no, there's no forgiveness. There's no compassion between Edom and Judah. <clears throat> even, though, even though in that story, you're, you're, I remember J- Jacob says, um, when Esau forgives him, Jacob says, um, basically, he's, it's like seeing the face of God. He actually says right, that. and then he doesn't trust Esau though. Yeah, he doesn't. That. You're right. He Esau doesn't. was the one that showed more grace still... than the than the Christian person supposed to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, and, <clears throat> and this is where I was looking at earlier when I was talking about this, and to to some degree, exactly what you were touching on there, Jeff. Well, now when I read what Edom's doing to Judah and what they're being judged for, 
I can't help but think of that that um, that adage we've heard a lot that describes Christianity um, from the outside in, where they say Christians are the only ones who kill are the only tribe to kill their own wounded. Mm-hmm. And man, how many times do we see that happen? Mm-hmm. Where whether it's somebody like you said who's been away, or maybe maybe it's because <laughs> maybe it's because they see people who are supposed to be characterized by forgiveness, supposed to be characterized by love and stuff, bite bite each other and fight each other and all this infighting that happens in the body. And the people who are outside looking in go, well, if they're going to be, you know, if they're that way, I'm going to be that way too, you know. And what, what, there's no difference between us. But I just see that a lot. I think that uh, when I think of a like a line drawn between Edom and, and us... I really see that sometimes in the local church. It's sad. It's sad that we we act like Edom sometimes. Like you said, we rejoice over our brother's fall. I mean, how many times have we seen somebody get excited because somebody got their comeuppance, right? Yeah. Um, and we're not even talking about somebody from outside of the church. We're talking about somebody inside the church. Well, I was just... I was just reading uh, Jeremiah's Oklahoma fan, if you don't know, know that or not. But uh, <laughs> Oklahoma played Texas Tech, and I was reading this morning. I was kind of just going through my news feed, and the quarterback that plays for Oklahoma, he goes, it's time for us to embarrass somebody. And so they go play Texas Tech, which is their coach's alma mater, mm-hmm. Oklahoma's current coach, and they beat them like 68 to 14, something like that. Uh, 24, yeah. 68 to 24. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it's like, these guys, this was kind of like, eat them, you know, like, we're going to go punish somebody. Yeah. We're, we're, we're finally going to get Jacob back for all that he's caused us and our families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not going to, we're just going to gloat about it. He got beat, he got smacked, he got all that, all that stuff we use in sports analogies that this is basically what happened. Mm-hmm. Somebody's weak, somebody's wounded. And man, they just pounce on them. Yeah. And um, you know, sometimes we as Christians do the same thing. Yeah. You know, especially when you see people fall uh, into sin and things like that, uh, we kind of gloat over it and we're happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then next thing you know, we're in trouble because something comes out about us, and then Mm -hmm. we're in trouble. So. Yeah. Let me. uh, Can I kind of switch gears here? I was Uh, good. Well, yeah, yeah. I was about to move from that to. We need to get to some hope here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, like, the like we, right. we've talked about all the judgment that we need to talk about. Let's move into the, let's move into the, like, the, the second half of the hinge of Obadiah, which yeah. is 15 through 21. In particular, I, I really like 15 through 18 there. But go ahead and, and I figure that's where you're going to go. Yeah. So, I uh, just wanted to go, you know, we, we hit on that pride pretty hard. Uh, if you, if you haven't noticed, we're all prideful. Uh, I believe that statement in my own life, and I believe that's true of every human. Oh yeah, I, I'm not uh, exempt. I'm not exempt from this. So <laughs> I look at that and go, "That's me too." So if this is a sinful pandemic, then what's the cure, right? What's the right. solution? Yeah. Um, and actually, Obadiah, this is where Obadiah is tough, and and I think Blake did a good job. Um, there are remnants of solution here. Uh, like so, obviously, we we believe that Jesus is the solution to our pride. That Jesus died on the cross for that sin and all of sin, uh, and He erased that. And if we believe in Him, uh, then He will cover our sins. Right. Uh, so, two things from that for me. The first thing is is 
the very next book in the Bible is not chronologically the next book in the Bible, right? Right. But it's Jonah. And Jonah actually happens before, but whoever put together, and I actually don't know this answer, whoever put the Hebrew Bible together Mm -hmm. chose to put Obadiah first, then Jonah next. And Mm -hmm. we know the story of Jonah. We just preached on it. But it's a similar story. There's this nation, prideful nation from what we understand. And, of course, it's the Israelite that's showing so much pride and hatred and uh, all those things. But God, God, of course, uh, they hear the message of their pride uh, and they repent. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Um, well, two, two things. Uh, so I think in God's law, he actually sets a, a standard for how nations can repent you find that in i'm not going to read them but you find it in leviticus 26 and deuteronomy 28 and deuteronomy 30 he he basically says something like if you obey and keep my law there will be blessings if you uh run away from my covenant that i've made with you and you disobey there will be curses right right but then there's always this announcement of and specifically there's one in leviticus 26 Uh, verse 40 and 42 of but if you repent Mm -hmm. so there is one i'm going to read this actually will come later jeremiah says it and it's ever since you preached that sermon blake it's been on my heart right Mm -hmm. so this is what jeremiah says in 18 uh i'm actually going to do uh 7 through 11 i'll just read all of it but it says this if at any time i declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. Mm-hmm. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And then he does the opposite side. And if I intended to do blessings, but you uh, continue to disobey me, I will relent of the blessings, right? Mm-hmm. But that that's just so important, I think, to looking at Obadiah and this, this standard that God set of if you repent... I will relent of my disaster. I will relent of my judgment. And it's the same for us as individuals. It's not just about nations. But if we repent, the coming judgment on our lives will not um, happen. We will be able to live in eternity with uh, Jesus. So, yeah. Um, sorry, that's that's my thoughts there. <laughs> no, kind I, of the solution uh, for, for our pride. Yeah, like my, my favorite verse in, in Obadiah... Um, well, I, I'll, I'll hold off on that. I'll, 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 I want to talk a little bit more about what you just touched on, actually, first. Let's, let's kind of talk about this idea. Because he does switch from, from judgment on Edom to looking at judgment of the nations. Mm-hmm. So there's this day of the Lord kind of thing that's happening. Um, how do you guys read this? Um, how? Because I think that there's hope here. Um, I think there's. I think you said that yesterday in your message, Blake. That there's definitely hope here. Um, where do we see the hope in Obadiah? And is there hope for Edom here? By the way, we know that Edom didn't repent. In fact, Malachi one yeah. three uh, tells us that they didn't repent. That God uh, God says, um, "Wasn't Esau Jacob's brother?" This is the Lord's declaration. Even so, I love Jacob, but I hated Esau. I turned his mountains into a wasteland. And gave his inheritance to the desert jackals, and that would even make that would make more sense too. When because uh, King Herod was actually an Edomite, yeah, I read and that too. So yeah. even even 
to Jesus's lifetime, you still see this constant struggle yeah. of Israel and Edom, even at the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was there hope for Edom? I'm going to say yes, there was. Because the fact that Obadiah is at least going to them and mm-hmm. saying, hey, this is how it is. It's not a glamorous message by any stretch of the imagination. But they have they have a chance to repent. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much Obadiah knew about the ultimate Savior, but in verse 21... We and in verse seventeen and twenty one are kind of like the two verses I kind of saw that gave like the most hope, mm-hmm. where there'll be like a deliverance on Mount Zion. Yeah. And in verse twenty one it says, "Saviors shall come up to Mount Zion, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's." And I think with these two verses, you see that there is hope. There might not for Edom. There might not have been a lot of hope then if they didn't repent. Mm-hmm. But even if they do repent, they're, they're going to be in a kingdom one day mm-hmm. where there won't be this turmoil. Yeah. There won't be any sin. The effects of pride will be no longer. So I think there is, I think there is hope here. That's one, one thing you, you said yesterday that I loved, and you just said it again. Like, why would God send Obadiah to be the messenger to the Edomites mm-hmm. if there's not hope? Mm-hmm. Right, so it's an act of grace. It's an act of mercy. Just sending the messenger to deliver the message. Um, we don't actually see, just like in Jonah, we don't actually say, "Hey, repent and you'll be saved." Right? Jonah gives like what seven words or whatever. It's eight. Yeah, yeah. eight words. <laughs> but yet they still understood that if if we humble ourselves, we uh, before the Lord, He will relent of this disaster. And of course, in Jonah, he does. Obadiah, they don't have the same reaction. They didn't humble themselves mm-hmm. before the Lord and seek repentance. Uh, and therefore, like you said, uh, are, uh, it's, it's a disaster. But yeah, man, just the fact that, they, that God sends this messenger, this mm-hmm. prophet to them is an act of grace and shows that there's hope. There's a solution. Um, so if well, and it helps us too because we should be saddened that Edom didn't repent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when we talk to people, I mean, let's be honest, the vast majority of people on this earth are not Christians. And if they do hear the gospel, the vast majority of them say no. Mm. So we're really not the super majority. We're not, you know, the culture doesn't really revolve around us. Like we think sometimes in our heart and mind. Um, and so we have to realize uh, some people will not respond to the message. And that should sadden us, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't keep us from still giving the message. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's part of the reason why this this book is here. I mean, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about it from a lost person's standpoint, thinking, you know, there are, I mean, to be honest with everybody, I mean, we have to be honest, even here in America where the gospel is just, just like plastered everywhere, the vast majority of people just ho-hum about it. It just doesn't really affect them. Yeah. And for us, then, it should give us a burden. And because Obadiah, think about it. He could have said, I'm not going. He could have, he could have pulled a Jonah. Mm-hmm. But he goes. Yeah. yeah. He goes to a, basically an arch enemy that could basically, the way they acted, could have strung him up and killed him. Mm-hmm. But he went anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To try to tell him, I'm holding a mirror up. If you don't change your ways, this is what's going to happen. Right. And right. they didn't. And so that's what we do when we preach the gospel. We preach love 
and grace and mercy, forgiveness. Yeah. It hinges on judgment, destruction, eternal separation. Those things are there too. So, yes. so you have to give both. But so often we, yeah, I know when I was growing up, it all hinged on damnation and hellfire right. and brimstone. And everybody was trying to be scared into heaven. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what God wants us to do. No. But at the same time, we can't say God's this loving, grace, forgiving, merciful person. Then, you know, there's no need for me to even follow him then. But if he's that way, what am I trying to escape? And that's what yeah. he gives here. He says there's a, a refuge for those who escape. In verse 17, and then uh, those that have been rescued will go up to Mount Zion. So there is a way of escape. There is a rescue. Yeah. And that's through yeah. Jesus Christ. And you just hit it. For me, as I, as we're wrapping this up, uh, for me, the, the, the thing that, that st- stands out entirely is verse 17. Because in 15 and 16, you have this universal judgment that will be, that will happen. And I, I think that this is clearly talking about the last judgment. And it, and it even he says, you know, all the nations are going to drink the cup of his wrath, basically, right? All the nations will drink the cup of that wrath. But there will be a deliverance. And um, we know that ultimately that deliverance does come from the line of Jacob, and it's Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so even though we know that there's this there's sure judgment coming. There's there's just as sure of a deliverance that's been offered, and uh, and I agree with you, Jeff. We need to go out and preach that that deliverance through Jesus Christ. It's gonna it takes us to the end of our discussion today, I think, guys. And um, um, next week, Monday main point, we'll be looking at Joel, Joel, Joel. Joel. Um, and so you find Joel. Where is he? He, he comes after. I mean, he's after Obadiah. He's in the Old Testament. Joel Amos. He's Obadiah. in the Old Testament. Yeah. He's, he's two before. Two. He's two. two before. I knew. I knew Obadiah is sandwiched between Jonah and Amos, and Joel comes right before Amos, right? Yeah. 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 So flip back over to Joel. I, it's. I don't think it's. As, it's not three chapters. Yeah, it's three chapters. You can do three chapters easy. So we'll be looking at Joel. Uh, he's also a exilic, right? Is, is he doing his during the time of the exile or after the exile? Well, it all depends on who you read and <laughs> what their perspective All right, well, is. there you go. That's going to be a mystery. We'll talk about it next time here on Monday Main Point. Thanks for joining us this week. Have a great week, and we'll be here next time.